Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth. The danger with counterfeit bills is that, man, they look so real. When you put it against the genuine, the false fails the test every time. But you got to compare it to the original. The Mormons preach Jesus, but their Jesus is not the biblical Jesus. Jehovah Witness preach Jesus. They don't believe he's God. They're all unbiblical. It's an insult to God. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The key to any victory is not necessarily knowing what the enemy is going to do, but instead by being prepared for anything unexpected. And Pastor Xavier reminds us that the only way to employ such a broad battle plan is by using the book that exposes the tactics of the enemy. And here he is to do just that with today's simple truths from the book of 2 Corinthians. Let's listen. Have you ever been um, in a position of seeing a friend who is being taken advantage by some other person and they're completely blind to it as they're being seduced? Yet you can see it clearly and you can't understand how they cannot see it. This was exactly the situation at Corinth. The Judaizers had seduced the Corinthians into another gospel and moved them to go against Paul. Paul had told them that the war is spiritual in the previous chapter. They should not be taken in by outward appearances and that he had come to them by God's leading, needing no letters of commendation, but only God. He now moves to the plead pleading his heart as a broken father who is fearful for his children's deception. This is the true heart of a shepherd. As you study church history, you see men of God who are committed to God's word and God and the people of God, regardless of the trends that come and go in the church, regardless of how much the church has gone into heresy, they stand even to the cost of their life. These are shepherds. Paul put or had a forced, put in the position of forcing himself here really to defend his apostleship. And he's kind of embarrassed about it. Um, yet he had addressed himself, and he will see this, indirectly to the false teachers as he directly speaks to the Corinthians. And he tears his heart open once again as a father because he loves them. Um, you'll note also that what stands out throughout the epistle is... Um, um, through these four chapters, is his primary concern is the Corinthians, not himself. Though he's defending himself, he's going to do it as a fool, and he'll declare that. But his concern is for the protection of the Corinthians and the glory of God, not himself. And, and so Paul the Apostle plays the part of a fool, and he makes it real clear here about himself, and he does it reluctantly, lowering himself to the level of these hucksters with sarcastic irony. And this goes from chapter 11, verse 1, all the way to chapter 12, verse 13. This whole passage they call the, the foolish speech, or to act as a fool. Now, the difference between the boasting of Paul and the false apostles is that Paul's boasting was based on truth. The boasting of the false apostles 
was based on lies. And we've all been around enough to realize and to see when people do this. And they take advantage. And we are good at it. Some people are really good at it. <laughs> and so Paul begins his desire to unmask the enemy here by calling the Corinthians to listen to him in order that he might give to them three reasons for his concern about their spiritual deception by these Judaizers in verse 1 through 6. Let me read. All that you would bear with me, a little folly. And indeed, you do bear with me. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different gospel, which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. For I consider that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles, even though I am untrained in speech, yet I am not in knowledge. But we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. So the three reasons for Paul's concern about the spiritual deception by the Judaizers is as follows. First, because Paul was their spiritual father, verse 1 and 2. Secondly, Paul was their faithful teacher, verse 3 and 4. And thirdly, Paul was their original apostle, verse 5 and 6. Let's begin here. The apostle Paul was their spiritual father. Notice verse 1 and 2. The Corinthians were courting, listen, seduction. In verse 1, Paul pleaded passionately for their patience. Don't miss it. The voice is one of a father concerned and worried about his children. Listen to the words. Oh, that you would bear with me a little folly. His passion is expressed by the word oh. Almost apologetic and yet urgent in his love for them. The tone of the voice obviously cannot be heard when you read a letter. That's one of the problems. But knowing the nature of the letter and the context and the problems that have been going on, you understand it as a father when you're concerned about the safety of your children, especially when someone's trying to get over on them. His plea notice was that they would put up with him just a little bit longer. He admits that he wants to play a fool. Now, you've been patient with me, but I want you to be a little bit more patient as I play this fool. Remember, he has just told them about the Judaizers boasting that they compare themselves among themselves so they're not wise in chapter 10, verse 12 through 18. They had encroached upon the ministry of Paul, building upon his foundation. The false teachers, notice, had commended the Corinthians for putting up with fools, referring to Paul and his co-laborers. So Paul, in tongue-in-cheek, reverses it on them. Paul is using sarcastic irony here to expose the false teachers who were the real fools for comparing themselves among yourselves. You don't do that. You compare yourself to God and the things that God has given you and the callings that God's given you. You don't compare yourself among yourselves. Notice the patience of the Corinthians. Up to this point, is acknowledged by the affirmation of their patience. And indeed, you did bear with me 
So Paul had defended his ministry for the first seven chapters. They've been listening to him. Paul had defended his request for the offering for the poor saints of Jerusalem for two chapters, eight and nine. And now Paul is going to defend his apostleship for three more chapters. In total, four. This is the last section. Look at verse two. Paul was jealous for them after a godly manner, not an ungodly manner. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. He gives the reason for his plea for them to be patient with him. He is specific about the kind of jealousy that he has been gripped with. The kind of jealousy Paul was displaying was godly theos, that which has its origin in God, God-like. So he was not jealous over the Corinthians or that the Corinthians were being taught by other teachers. But his jealousy here, which is godly, is over these hucksters who are attempting to seduce them spiritually away from Christ. This is the focus, okay? The zeal of jealousy of Paul was for the good of Corinthians, not their evil, for their protection. In uh, Zechariah 1.14, God declared in the Old Testament that he was jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with great jealousy. God's jealousy is because he knows he's the best thing for us. God is jealous when others who want to take us away from him because it's the worst thing for us. In fact, Paul's love was manifested through him as he shared in Romans 9.3 that he could wish himself a curse for Israel's sake if they could be saved. Well, that is an amazing love. It has been said that human jealousy is a vice, but divine jealousy is a virtue. Still in two, Paul had engaged the Corinthians to one husband, using the figurative metaphor here now. For I have betrothed you to one husband. This took place when he preached the gospel, they accepted Christ, he betrothed them to Christ. At that point, in their commitment to Christ. Notice Paul declared that the purpose of betrothing them was to hand them over to Jesus in marriage because they're the bride of Christ. That I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. He used the figurative metaphor of a chaste virgin, immaculate. He saw himself as the father, passionately desiring to present his daughter, the Corinthian church, honorably, undefiled to the husband. Christ, such as the metaphor of Christ and the bride, the church in Ephesians 5, 25 to 27, it says, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. But let's look at the switch here, that he might present to himself a glorious church. In the real handing over, it's Christ who hands his bride to himself because he's the one that cleanses us. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So the metaphor is seen throughout. Revelation 19, 19. Revelation 21, 9. Same thing. The law declared Israel, the people of God, were to be loyal to Yahweh, her husband. Exodus 34, 14 says, For you shall worship no other God, for the Lord Yahweh, whose name is Jealous. He's a jealous God. Paul was their spiritual father who was concerned about their courting seduction. That's the first reason. Second, verse 3 and 4. Paul was their teacher. The Corinthians were believing lies. 
Notice in verse 3, the Apostle Paul expresses concern of the possible violation of their faithfulness to Christ. Paul declared the method of their seduction to be as when Satan deceived Eve in the Garden of Eden. Don't miss this. But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, the word but marks the sharp contrast between her state of being chaste virgin and the possibility of being seduced. Now, they haven't gotten there yet, but just like a young man is in the process of seducing a young woman and they're alone for a long time, though it may not have happened yet, he's in the process. He's on route, guaranteed. The word fear, phobia, means to be put to flight, being terrified, scared. This is how Paul felt. The emphasis is spiritual, but it's literal. The serpent was to remind them of the vileness and the danger of the act under guise by the foolish Jewish false teachers and prophets. The word deceived there is the intensified form, completely deceived. That's literally what it means. Romans 7, 10, 2 Thessalonians 2, 2. Remember Thessalonians? They were deceived that the day of the Lord had already come. So this means thoroughly deceived, completely deceived. Now, if there's no potential, then Paul is lying. Going from grace to law, from the ministry of life to the ministry of death that he said in chapter 3. Notice his description of the serpent indicates deception by distorting the word of God and misrepresenting God in Genesis 3, 1 through 6. Satan created doubt in the mind of Eve. Has God said? So the teachers have said about Paul. Has Paul taught this? Satan contradicted God's word. You shall not die. So had the false teachers contradicted Paul's teaching. He was teaching grace, gospel. They were teaching law, works. Satan charged God with wanting to restrict Adam and Eve's freedom. God knows the day you eat, you will be just like him. And so the false teachers had said against Paul, he wants to rule you, he wants to control you. He's already told them at the beginning of the letter in chapter 2, verse 11, that um, they were not to be ignorant about the devices and schemes of Satan lest he would take an advantage of them. And he's talking there in the context about the forgiveness and restoration of that man. So we have to be smart at the schemes of the enemy. Now, notice still in 3 there, Paul declared the outcome of such craftiness would be to defile her loyal faithfulness that belonged to Christ alone. So your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Paul is not pledging himself or making himself the target. It's Christ. He stated their minds would be corrupted, meaning filled up with evil. The error is passive, an effective error, as the Greek scholar Linsky points out. Literally, be actually corrupted. The believer can be deceived. The warning is clear. He stated his corruption of evil was regarding the simplicity that is in Christ. Don't miss that. Sincerity, a mental honesty in the relationship to Christ. Not allowing themselves to be enticed to give their affections to another Jesus. 
not allowing themselves to be lured by the bait dangling before them. He already told them in the previous chapter, verse 4 and 5, pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Notice, the attack is not against you or I. It's against the knowledge of God. The question is, will you defend the knowledge of God? It's God's word. And then notice he stated the goal being to lead them away, the Christian and the church, from the state of knowing that knowledge of holiness and the knowledge of God's word in which they ought to abide. Paul is a type, in a type of allegory here, makes the church at Corinth represent Eve. The deceiver Satan through the serpent representative of the false teachers. The Corinthians had been blinded. They did not see the deception. Now look at four. The apostle Paul expressed his concern over the Corinthians having embraced a counterfeit message or gospel. Paul gave the reason for his concern over their spiritual seduction by Satan. The first being the preaching, underline it, another Jesus. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, the word if could be translated since. The Judaizers had come in to proselytize the Christians, as you know. The present condition of the church was due to their false teaching. The word preaches, we've come across this word before, caruso. It means simply a herald, often one who was hired by the state or kings to make public proclamations. And the word is used throughout the scriptures for preaching the word of God. The context here is a false gospel. The Jesus being preached by the Judaizers was not the same one Paul and his co-laborers had preached. They were not teaching Jesus as the all-sufficient, efficacious, sin-bearing Messiah for the sins of the world and justification of sinners, but the earthly Jesus stressing the Judaism of Jesus in a false way, the law. That's another Jesus. He came to fulfill the law. Now, notice Paul gave the second reason for his concern over their spiritual seduction. Or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received. Notice, this is the spirit of false teachers who are teaching their dependency on themselves through their own abilities. It's not capitalized. It's not the Holy Spirit of God. It's man's spirit or demonic spirit. This human spirit is opposed to the Holy Spirit, the one and the only one who can convict man of sin, reveal Christ, and illuminate the understanding of the scriptures. Jesus made this very clear in John 14, 15, and 16 when he spoke about the paracleo, the paraclete is the comforter who would come alongside to teach us all things. In other words, you did not receive it from I or from my companions, but from the false teachers. And then Paul gave the third reason for his concern over their spiritual seduction. He says, or a different gospel would you have not accepted. The gospel it's good news because it tells us that God made a way for man to be justified before him as God died for us. And that if we believe upon what he has done, 
then we can be saved by grace through faith. That's the good news. Anything short of that is bad news. If you have to work for your salvation, you might as well forget it. You'll never make it. This contrary gospel, they have not accepted in the past from Paul again or his companions. Notice that. You have to give permission and to listen, to agree with it, to embrace it, to make it your own. Then notice verse 4 there. Paul charged them of being guilty, of allowing themselves to be deceived, in danger of being spiritually seduced. And it's a sharp rebuke. He says, you may well put up with it. They were of their own will going along with it. So you're bearing patiently with these fools. So let me play the fool. Be patient with me a little longer as a fool. <laughs> the whole play on words. What did you do? Did you rebuke them? Did you correct them? No. You tolerated them. You received them. You embraced them. They were taken in. They opened their minds and hearts to both the false message, the false gospel. They were in danger of being deceived, verse 3. They were in danger of making shipwreck of the faith, verse 4. The danger with counterfeit bills is that, man, they look so real. And, and you're, you're walking down the street and you find this wad of $100. You go, well, you know, no, nobody around. And so you go to the bank and, oh, man, you can't believe it. And you slap that baby across that counter and the teller says, um, Mr. Reese, yes, what are you doing with the counterfeit bill? I beg your pardon? Now they want to talk to you. How you got that bill? <laughs> when you put it against the genuine, the false fails the test every time. But you've got to compare it to the original. The Mormons preach Jesus, but their Jesus is not the biblical Jesus. Their Jesus is half-brother to Satan. Adam glorified to be God. Jehovah Witness preach Jesus, who is Michael the archangel. They don't believe he's God. Yet others present Jesus as one who tolerates sin and a sinful lifestyle as long as you just believe in Jesus and confess him with your mouth. They're all unbiblical. It's an insult to God. There comes a time now in our life when we have to say, what Jesus are you preaching? It has to be the biblical Jesus. The Bible clearly teaches that Jesus is God who became man and died for our sins. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God. In verse 14, the Word became flesh, we beheld His glory, His only begotten, the Father, full of grace and truth. Paul has just said in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now if that's the Jesus you're preaching, you're my brother. You're my sister. If you're not, you're not my brother, my sister. You're deceived or you're a deceiver. I won't insult you. You tell me which one it is. 1 John 4, 2-3 says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. This is 2,000 years ago. If it was true then, it's true now. Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truth regarding the ultimate truth. 
And you can find this program online to hear any portion you may have missed. Just browse for today's date in the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Now you can request your own personal copy of today's important study from 2 Corinthians as well. It's called Unmasking the Enemy, and we're making it available upon request for just $4. And make sure you request an additional copy to pass along to those in your Bible study or Sunday school class. Now the title to ask for once again is Unmasking the Enemy. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station when you contact us. Satan's attacks are often disguised as something good. So how then can we tell the difference between an affront from the enemy and a blessing from above? Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California, www.calvarychapelpasadena.com.